Well, good morning, church. I'm grateful to be with you here digitally at our online service. Uh, the last seven weeks, I can't believe it's been seven weeks we've been coming to you like this, have been uh, crazy to say the least. They've been unprecedented. Um, I would like, uh, I think most of us, all of us really have had a shift and a change in our day-to-day -day schedules, our work schedules. Most of us are working from home. Uh, if you have kiddos, moms are, uh, whether they like it or not, homeschooling their kids with varying degrees of success. Um, all weekend activities have been canceled. Sports are canceled. Concerts have been canceled. Restaurants are closed ex with the exception of curbside pickup. Parks are even closed. Sporting events are canceled and no longer happening. Movie theaters are shut down. It's been crazy. And so life as we know it has changed. Now I look back and it's been seven weeks since we've been doing this. And uh, on one hand, it's kind of been a bit of a blur. On the other hand, it feels like it's been a year. Um, but for many of us, as we sort of look back on how life once was, uh, the busyness of life that we are experiencing on a week to week basis has really changed dramatically. Our schedules have changed. Our rhythms of life have changed. Uh, school for our kids have changed. All activities. Uh, my daughter is doing ballet via Zoom. And so it's just the whole uh, rhythm of our lives have just been sort of upended and changed in a lot of capacities. And with a lot of things that we had experienced, say, seven weeks ago as quote-unquote normal, they've been put on pause. And uh, they've stopped entirely. And I know many of us have experienced this. Um, and so although those events that, that are surrounding us right now with the virus, with kind of all the scary nuances that come along with that, uh, they are personally frightening on many regards. They're professionally frightening. They have social implications. They certainly have had tremendous economic implications. Uh, I wanted to just sort of focus maybe this morning on this pause that we've been given uh, in life as, we've, as we know it. Though life is different, there are certainly many, many things that have been paused in our weekly rhythms. And so I wanted to just take the next couple of weeks um, that we have together to sort of speak into this pause, this, this moment in time that we're experiencing, this once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully, moment that we are all in this together with. And I want us to not just miss this pause. I want us as a church to respond to this season by doing something, uh, by building some new rhythms into our lives uh, that are lasting. I want us to build some rhythms into our lives of us learning to trust the Lord, to begin to anchor our hearts and our minds into God's word, what he says for us. I want us to build some healthier rhythms into our prayer life, into rhythms of rest in Jesus, and to be maybe even slowed down a little bit, to taste and to see that the Lord is good, even in the midst of what we find ourselves in. See, my great fear as a pastor, as I'm kind of looking at this unique cultural moment we find ourselves in, is that we would waste this pause that we've been given. Um, 
and that too many of us would just be looking toward and hoping for us to get back to normal, so to speak. That we would just be looking at, can't we just get back to how it once was? Um, and I just want to say that I, I personally desperately don't just want to get back to normal. Uh, because I don't know if you remember what normal was. But for many of us, and as I talked to many of you, what normal looked like just seven weeks ago uh, was every second of every day was booked. Uh, our schedules were wall to wall. A lot of us had very, very little time and margin to even hear from the Lord, to spend time in prayer, to read his word, to rest and experience the peace of God that the scriptures long for us to have to uh, experience what Jesus promises for us, that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. When I talked to many of you just eight weeks ago, uh, we were experiencing really the opposite of that in many ways. We were frenzied, we were hurried, we were stressed, we were tired chronically. Uh, there was very little time to discern that still small voice. And this was across the board. Um, no matter who I talked to, uh, what normal was just a few weeks ago, whether you were single, whether you were newly married, whether you've been married for 30 years, whether you're married with kids, whether you're married with six kids, or even if you're retired, the most common thing that I heard just eight short weeks ago when I asked the simple question, how are you doing? It was always good, but very, very busy. Good, but very, very busy. Even retired folks would say this to me. They would say, I can't believe it. Even though I've stopped working, I've retired. I'm busier than ever. I don't seem to have any time anymore. And I think I just want to make this point. Um, I believe that we are addicted to busyness. And I think we can feel that is true in our souls and we can feel that's true in our lives that even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of um, literally everything being canceled, I still talk to a lot of y'all and you're saying, I don't know how, but I just find myself to be really busy. We've just replaced all of our other busyness with new busyness. And so I just want to say, look, we need to be careful not to just be busy for busy's sake. And I want us to um, take advantage of this season that we find ourselves in and learn what it means to be present with God. We've been really um, given a gift, if you can look at it like that, to slow down, to enjoy not rushing from one event to the next, to learn not to fill every moment of our lives with digital content, uh, to hear that still, small voice, the most important voice of all, the voice of God uh, that we often neglect. And so what does it mean for God to be with us in this season? How do we build into our lives pathways to make that happen and not just waste this uh, pause that we've been given before life, quote unquote, gets back to normal. Because when that happens, we're going to have the world screaming at us 
to put on all of these other things at a very rapid pace to get back to normal. But I want us to hear from the most important voices say, what is it that really matters? And how do we cling to God in this moment? Let's use this time to evaluate what is most important. And maybe, just maybe, church, Jesus is asking you not to just simply add everything back, that which was normal in your life just a few short months ago or weeks ago, to use this time to lean into what God wants us, what God wants for us, and how he is going to be our ever-present reality. Um, And so I want for the next few weeks for us to explore what it means for us to build into our spiritual lives, maybe like we have never done before. Now let's look at how the Apostle Paul describes this transformation, this idea that God is with us through Christ and has given us new life in Christ in this amazing passage in Romans 8. And it starts with these very famous words. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to build upon that amazing statement a picture of what it means to live in Christ Jesus. That you and I, when, when, when we are saved, when God rescues us, that we are now living within the reality of Jesus as our Lord. He is with us personally. And among the high notes of this passage in Romans 8 are the 28th verse where it says, And we know that for those who, God, who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, even in this season. But then he goes on to build upon that. And he gives us clarity about this wonderful position that we are in, in the hands of Christ. And he culminates this thought at the end of Romans chapter 8 by saying these words. Catch this, church. Who, verse 35, Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now that sounds pretty grim. That sounds a lot like the news every day that we turn on. But Paul goes on. Listen to this, verse 37. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. He just keeps building upon this list. And so you could really, in your life right now, put anything into that list that terrifies you. You could put anything in that list that is gripping you with fear, that is gripping you with uncertainty, that is gripping you with, Lord, I don't know if you know what you're doing here. Paul's saying, nothing, none of those things, nothing present, nothing, nor things to come, powers, height, or depth, nor anything else in all of creation, he says, including viruses, can do what? 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's what I want to think about for the rest of our time this morning. Not being separated from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, I think in the everyday realities that we get wrapped up in, we forget that so easily. Uh, We forget that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. We get busy, even in pandemics. Uh, We get distracted. Some of us just numb our minds with endless streams of entertainment. Some of us numb our minds with uh, food in the pantry or alcohol in the cabinet. Some of us just long to escape. We get busy even in the midst of what we're experiencing right now, even in the midst of a social shutdown. We busy ourselves with other things besides that which is the most important thing. And church, I believe that we are as a people right now in this place that we find ourselves in are addicted to busyness. We're addicted to the feeling of going from one thing to the next, to having the phone constantly buzz that we're needed and that we're in, and we grab it and it leads us to another rabbit trail and we go down here and it ends up on a video here and then a phone call and a text and we just don't get a beat. Even in this midst of this pause of life, we've filled our lives with more stuff that have taken the place of the other things that filled our lives. The Christian poet, T.S. Eliot, warned us back in 1936, before there were supercomputers in our pocket, uh, distracting us every day with this quote. He says this, that we are distracted from distraction by distraction. That was in 1936, and that is true even today. Um, God's word says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. But I believe that the enemy, uh, his greatest delight is to distract us from that very true ever-present reality. Uh, To have us chase shiny things or pretty things or entertaining things that aren't the ultimate thing and distract us from the most beautiful thing. And that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that we are bound up with him and he is with us and we are with him. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to remember together as a church and we're going to start building into our lives the reality that God is with us. Because we just read that no matter what is happening around us, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is not just speaking to some um, non-personal, far-off love of God. Paul is talking about an active, present reality. An active, present reality. Nothing will separate us actively and presently in our world from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, right? Um, That is the presence of Christ in our lives now. And think about this. 
That is also, so if if God is with us, if his active, ever-present reality is with us right now, uh, this also means that we have a presence in Christ's life. Now, that may seem very basic and elementary, but that struck me in a profound way this week. I always kind of tend to think of it as God being the heavy-handed one in this relationship, but if God is ever-present with us to be in relationship, that means that we are to be ever-present with him as well. And so um, I think that's just an amazingly profound thought that our walking with God is God with us and therefore us with God. That's amazing. And so this active present reality of God because of Christ, but it also is an active present reality for us too. So we've got to wake up and remind ourselves of things like Psalm 23, right? knowing that it grounds ourselves in the reality that we no longer have to fear. The universe, no matter what's happening in and around us, is a perfectly safe place for you and I to dwell and to be. We therefore no longer have fear. We're able to be at peace no matter what comes our way because we know that no matter what happens, no matter what lies ahead of us, that God is there with you, and he will take care of you. Listen to this about walking with God in Psalm 23. Uh, We read it a few weeks ago. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will I fear no evil? How can you say that? Is it because my pantry's full? Uh, Is it because I have a new Netflix show to watch tonight? Is it because I've got money in the bank? No, why? What does the psalmist say? Why? Because thou art with me. Because God, you are with me. The sufficiency of God to us personally is the basis of our security right now in our present reality. So this is the basis of our security. It's the basis of our mental health. It's the basis of our godly character. It's the basis of the gifts of the spirit. It's the basis for the anointing of the service of the church. The Bible is full of these statements about God being with us and Christ being with us. In fact, at the very end, as Jesus is ascending to go be with the Father in heaven, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. And so if he is with us, if Jesus is with us, we are in good company. There's many other passages in the Bible that God's trying to remind us through the many distractions that we chase that he is with us and he's calling us to be present with him too. Hebrews 13, listen to this. This is one of those. God's word says, keep your life free from the love of money. Remove some distractions. Don't chase money. Don't chase the distraction of success and power. And he says, why and what? And be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So God with you tells us we have everything that we need. Um, 
and nothing can be, nothing will separate us from his love. No circumstance, no nothing. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? It's the presence of God in our lives. It's him with us that lays the foundation for everything. Not God at a distance. Not God even watching over you. Not God checking up on you. But God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that formed and knit you together, is with you. And so church, over the next few weeks, I want us to rest in that reality and build into our lives rhythms that help us limit distraction and know and experience God with us in the everyday. And so I want us not to just jump right back in to the distracted. I want us to not just jump right back into the overly entertained, the overly scheduled, the overly programmed lives that can drown out our communion with God. Let's use this unique time to build into our lives something lasting, something eternal. Let's be present with God through Jesus Christ our Lord because he is present with us. Let's echo with the psalmist in Psalm 73 that says, the nearness of God is my good. The Lord is my portion, meaning I have the Lord and that is enough. That's enough for me. Let's not waste this pause that we've been given. Church, do you know that he is with you even now? Are you walking with him? Do you slow down a little bit every day and stop and say things like this before your feet hit the floor, before you grab your phone? Do you just, or could you maybe, or would you start and consider doing this this week? Before that happens, just remind yourself in your heart and say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And think about what that means. This is not just a theological arrangement. God being with us is an ongoing relationship in which he acts in relationship to us and we act in relationship to him. It's a walk with God. It's God being for us. Therefore, who can be against us? This is God's intent for us, to live in the manifest presence of God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God's word tells us this in closing. Number 6, 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, what does that mean? What is lifting up his countenance upon you? It means this. It means the Lord looks right at you. It means his eye is on you. It means he's right there with you. It means he's looking you in the eye and the face. Church, God is with you. He's looking at you. He is not distracted from you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he longs to hear from you. He longs to talk to you. He longs to spend time with you. And so church, this week, 
I challenge you to, to set down the distractions for a season. Uh, set down the busyness. Don't replace the pause that we have and fill it with all the other stuff we can fill it with. Take some time to sit with the Lord. Slow down with him. Rest in him. Talk to him. Hear from him. Let him hear from you. Share your heart with him. And let's create some rhythms and inroads with the Lord in a new and profound way, in a lasting way, knowing this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together, church. Lord Jesus, we don't understand all that's happening in and around us, but God, we want to respond well as your children in this season. Lord, help us to be present with you as we know that you are present with us. God, thank you that your countenance is upon us, that your face is looking right at us. And so God, as your people, I pray that we would um, remove some distractions, that we would take steps not to just fill our lives with all the stuff and all the entertainment and all the news that can fill our hearts and minds, but God, we would fill it with that which comes from you, which is good, right, true, and beautiful, and you would just fill our hearts with your presence, with your ever-present ever reality. And God, I pray that this week in particular would be a sweet time, that before our feet hit the floor in the morning, we could just whisper to ourselves, God, that you are our shepherd, that you are guiding us, that nothing can separate us from your great love through our Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray these things. Amen.